A strange phenomenon began to develop in the eightieth year of my life. Events of the past flash into memory, something like the images on a television screen. They appear in no particular order. They come into focus for a time, and then they disappear back into some hidden place. And yet, while they are here, they bring back the very substance of which they were made, sight and sound and scent and feeling. Eighty years I have inhabited various places on this planet for more than eighty years. When I was sixteen, I said that I did not plan to get old. I thought forty was old. When I was sixty, I saw my mother's face in my mirror. Now, a little beyond eighty, I think it's time for me to sort through the decades of memories, to see where I've been and where I'm going and perhaps even why I was here in the first place. That's from the prologue by today's author, Eileen Palmer. Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast you just don't want to miss. I'm Suzanne Harris, and you are about to get a sneak peek at what goes on behind the scenes with an author. We'll find out their secret recipe for creating their book. You might even get an inside scoop on what their next project might be. Are you ready to meet today's author? Well, joining me is quite a remarkable woman. Her name is Dr. Eileen Palmer, and she's here to talk about her autobiographical book, I Thought I was I thought 40 was old, 80 years of trying to get it right. I love that title. Now, Eileen is a 99-year-old author and poet, and she shared her book of poetry with us in a previous interview. It's titled Whispers in the Wind. Dr. Palmer was denied an education when she was young. She received her master's degree in theology at age 75 and her doctorate in philosophy at 78. She hopes that her achievements will help women realize that we are never old until we think we are. Dr. Palmer, Eileen, it is such a pleasure to welcome you to Books on Air. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, as I was reading the first part, the prologue of your book, it just occurred to me that you have seen so much history. You have lived such a life that's been filled with so many different things. What made you decide to put that life down in writing to share in a book? I think it was because it kept trying to spill over. There was more that I could contain as a person, I think. I I needed to talk. A lot of times I was alone and I had no one to talk to but myself, and that was not helpful. So I started writing things down. And then I started putting them together. Was writing helpful? It helped. You know, 
lot of stuff. I, I had migraine headaches for a while. Really bad migraine headaches. I was sick in bed with cloth covering my eyes because I was having such an awful headache and, and it was coming from way inside of me, I think. And I had to go to the doctors and take medications and Finally, a doctor sat on the edge of my bed and said, what's going on in your life right now? And it was like, as I put it in my book once, it was like a great fight dawned. I knew that I couldn't continue to swallow everything and keep it all inside. And that's all I can do. Maybe I can explain it. You know, the book starts back in the Great Depression and goes right up to your adult modern times. And I just was thinking as I as I was reading through the prologue and reading through the first part of the book, watching that amount of time, you're now almost 99, and watching that amount of time go by, it doesn't seem like it's that long, does it? No, it doesn't. It does not. It goes in, it goes in bits and pieces. And they keep coming back, but not in any order that I can think of. Which is why you almost have to write a book like that. To sort of organize it in some way, right? Now, there have been some events in your life that have influenced you strongly. I know that when we talked about your book of poetry, we really talked a lot about the Shoshone Reservation in Wyoming and a couple of women that were really strong figures in your life that really influenced you. Do you talk about your time in the Shoshone Reservation in this book as well? Well, one of the things that I like to put in my book or like to talk about to people was the wonderful collections of friendships on the reservation. And the first friend, the most deep, satisfying friendship that I had, that still the place in me that needed filling was my mother-in-law, Esther. She was the Shoshone woman. She attended grade school in a church school for girls for the reservation. And she learned a lot and she was able to digest a lot. (laughs) And she was a marvelous mother and a mother-in-law who filled the need that probably would have taken a good time to tell in me at the time. So <laughs> I guess that was the number one relationship. But there was a priest of the Catholic Church, and he was one who ministered if he had to sometimes drive 60 miles to get to the reservation and then cross the Wind River 
religion, would you say that it's been really strong in your life? I can't think of it as religion. It was a little of a relationship that uh, I had first with the teachers and clergy, but that eventually wound up in seeking the Lord's influence and seeking His love. In my own time, and I was alone for a long period of time on the reservation. My husband was away for two or three weeks at a time, and I was there with my two children and a dog. And some cows that came and looked in the window at me sometimes. <laughs> there's no way I can even tell you what. A lot of that was life and how it affected me. The book is... (laughs) (laughs) The book is a whole series of events. And I have to say that as I read through 
the the excerpt of the book that's on Amazon, I could hear the poetry in your language because you have a, a way of phrasing things and a way of looking at things that even though this is written in prose, it still has a poetic feel to it. Would you mind if I share a little bit of the book with our listeners? All right. I found a passage that I really, really thought was beautiful. This whole first part I thought was, was just lovely. But this one, I think, sort of talks about what we've been talking about a little bit. It says, it begins, There was a vacant lot next door to that house. There was a stack of boards and the weeds in that lot, and I was standing on top of the pile, loving the feel of the warm wind blowing through my clothes and my hair, and I felt there was a presence there with me, having the feel of something, the feeling of enjoyment with me, and somehow expressing a warm regard for me. I felt loved and valued. I sensed a surrounding affection and approval. I knew someone was there, though no one was visible. I had no name to call the presence by, but I felt that I knew him. I really like the way that you write, and I like the way that you express things like that. And that, to me, talks about a creative mind. And there are a couple, there's another passage that talks about seeing things in your head. Sometimes, before I fell asleep, with, when everything was quiet in our house, I could close my eyes and see wonderful designs. Sometimes, too, I heard what I believed were angel voices singing. These strange experiences of the senses I have never been able to explain, but I can still remember what they were like. I suppose that they might be explained in some problems with my eyes and ears, but I prefer to think that they were real, perhaps a glimpse into a deeper reality than we can comprehend. I think your prose is absolutely beautiful, and I think those events are beautifully put. And I can remember, now I'll confess to you that I'm an only child, and so as an only child... You have a lot of time that you spend alone. No brothers, no sisters, no kids in the neighborhood. And so you're in your head a lot of the time. As I read those two passages, they resonated with me personally simply because of the fact that I never felt myself to be lonely as an only child at all. But you live in your head in a different way. And those kinds of things that you described resonated very strongly with me. I didn't mean to make you, I didn't mean to make you work. (laughs) I didn't mean to make you not speechless there. I but that's that's ex- it, it, the important thing I think for an author is to know that their work 
gets a reaction. It's like being an artist when you paint a, a picture. I can only imagine that when someone looks at it and gives you a reaction, it's a reaction to your creative work. And I think the written word is no different. When we write, we want to know how people react to our writing. And I wanted you to know that I reacted very positively and very strongly to your writing. I have the feeling that you're one of the very few people I really felt listened to read, I hope. I just felt like you got maybe used the words and listened to something that I I never usually once in a while I feel somebody listening. And I think there are more ways of listening than we know. I listen to the wind and I listen to the birds and I listen to the rushing of the water and the river. But that was sometimes the only thing I heard. There weren't any words because I was in a big stone house on the station no one around except my children who were meant for me to be an infant up to be a teenager or eventually. I just can't tell you how what a feeling of warmth. Just appreciation that I feel right now for knowing somebody really heard me. Thank you. I think that's important. And another thing that I noticed when I was reading some of the biographic material, you talked about stumbling blindly. And you you really, um, there were a couple of phrases that made me think that there was hardship. You used the word stumble several times. Were there some hardships that you particularly talked about in the book? Well, I was left alone on the ranch with a herd of probably three, five head of cattle that had to be fed, and I can remember carrying most of cattle food in a coal bucket out and gathering them on the field while I was surrounded with a bunch of cows I didn't even trust. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How old were you when you were experiencing this? Well, I got married when I was 18. So I was on the ranch from 18 to about 20, almost 25. So you were young. Well, I didn't know I was. I know. Yeah, I was young with six kids, so that made me old. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get... The idea for the title of the book, I thought 40 was old, <laughs> 80 years of trying to get it right. Where did that come from? Well, I think that Dick sort of asked me a question. He said, well, how do you see yourself? And I said, 
can see myself as young, not wanting to get old, and that would be saying, well, you know, three years of trying to see where I was in life. Moving from 16 to 40 years, the journey I haven't really had much practice I love it that you're quoted as saying when you were 16, you did, you said you didn't plan to get old. <laughs> I didn't. I, I thought that God would just take me because I didn't want to live the old life, the life of being an old person. To me, I saw my mother, I thought she was wasted on her. Dear, I love it. I love it that you talked about seeing your mother's face as you looked at yourself in the mirror. You know, I think many people talk about experiencing that. I had a friend once who said that she put on her coat and out came her mother's hand. And I thought that was it's it's we turn into. Our parents, as we age, I thought that was so appropriate. I mean, I'm listening to myself, I was really thinking about what's going on in me. I was more like my father, and I think I really looked somewhat more like my dad. And I think now that a lot of what I thought, I was thinking with my dad's mind rather than my mother's. I love it. I'm going to tell our listeners where they can find the book. Now, they can go to Amazon, and if there's someone listening to us who has never purchased anything on Amazon, all you have to do is put www.amazon.com in the browser at the top of your computer and just click on it and it'll take you right to the Amazon website. At the top, you'll see this big rectangular box and in that big rectangular box, if you'll type the title of Eileen's book, I Thought 40 Was Old, colon, 80 Years of Trying to Get It Right by, let me spell Eileen's name for you, A-L-L-Y-E-N-E Palmer, P-A-L-M-E-R. Click on that, and her book comes right up. When you look at the book, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little prompt that says, look inside. If you'll just click on those words, the book will open, and I always do air quotes with open because obviously it it doesn't open, it just comes up electronically, and you'll hear at the, the very beginning there's a dedication of the book, and then you'll hear that part of the prologue that I read to you, and then you'll begin to read part of the book, and it's a very, very nice excerpt from the book, and you can buy it right there on that same page, just click on the purchase, and you can buy it, and presto changeo, it works. So when our listeners become readers 
Eileen, and they buy a copy of the book, either an electronic copy or a paperback copy or a hardback copy. And they read the book from cover to cover. And they read the very last page. And the back cover closes, either electronically or physically. Is there something that you want them to take away from the book? Do you want it to be the story of a life well lived? Do you want it to be insights into the life that you've lived? What do you want them to leave with? I think the feeling of awe that I feel is very little preparation for living life is guided through with something inside that spoke to her beyond just the boundaries of the life. I knew there was something, somebody, I knew that there was something surrounding me that was both protective and loving and kind and yet telling me what's right and what's wrong and what I'm doing. And I guess I hope everybody knows that there is that presence around us that if we listen, helps us to find our way. At least that's where I feel it. I think that's an important message, especially after the year that everyone has had. Everybody is looking for something positive and a positive message, and I think that's one that we can all take away. Now remember, you can not only find Eileen's book, I Thought 40 Was Old, 80 Years of Trying to Get It Right, but you can also find her book of poetry, Whispers in the Wind. Both of those are on Amazon. Eileen, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been to chat with you. This has just been so much fun. It's such, I it's I just consider it such a privilege to be able to talk to someone like you who is so talented and so extraordinary and who's lived to be your age. I mean, we have to say that, and you're you're just amazing that you've gone at seventy and seventy eight and gotten two advanced degrees. I won't rave, but it's just a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being there. I can't say how much you've yet. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, you have been listening to Books on Air. Our podcast is brought to you on webtalkradio.net. Now, by the way, you can also hear this podcast on iTunes, and on iHeartRadio. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I hope that you'll join our next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know what we'll talk about, and you never know who's going to be here. Thank you so much for listening.